Hello, folks, and welcome to the Tornado Alley Productions Gamer Talk. I am Corey. And I'm Jeremy. And today we're going to discuss the upcoming game, The Elder Scrolls Online. The Elder Scrolls Online is being developed by ZeniMax Online Studios and published by Bethesda Softworks. ZeniMax has worked for several years to bring the Elder Scrolls to the online platform, and they're finally reaching that point with this new game. The game has already received several nominations for the most anticipated, massively multiplayer online game of 2013, and it has actually received that award on many game lists. Being an MMORPG, this game seeks to take the multiplayer feature to a whole new level, It will include hundreds of players on screen at once, across three factions, with siege weapons, attacking and defending cities. And all of this can be seen in the recently released cinematic. So you can check that out online at elderscrollsonline.com. And I am totally stoked about this game. Uh, Jeremy, uh, are you looking forward to it? Uh, And if so, which element would you say you're most interested, interested in? Well, if I wasn't excited for it, I would definitely be a little worried that we were doing an entire podcast devoted to it. Uh, <laughs> I am I am unbelievably stoked. I haven't been this stoked for a game in a long, long time. I mean, obviously, when I was a little bit younger, I would get really pumped for most any games. But I am, I am just really, really pumped. And one of the main reasons is I enjoyed the World of Warcraft, the other giant dominating uh, MMO in today's mainstream MMO culture. And to me, the buildup so far a year out is leads me to believe that this is going to have just as much of a chance to be a major player and have a huge population and be one of those pop culture things. And not that I'm want to join it for that reason, but it's certainly fun when you can say, yeah, I'm playing this game, there's 5 million other people playing it. I mean, 10 million is what WoW is at now, and that that may not be likely, but, I mean, a few million? I mean, that's just pretty intense. What else do you do that has a few other million people doing as right. far as, like, leisure? I mean, outside of eating and drinking, I think most, you know, a few billion need to do that, but... <laughs> a couple. A couple billion. Yeah, not everyone. No, this game has a massive potential to just blow away... Almost all of the other games of the same type, MMORPGs, um, and especially in combining those two elements, massively multiplayer online with the RPG, because as we know, all of the other Elder Scrolls games have been popular, and I know a common complaint with the most recent one, Skyrim, is that the game itself is pretty fun, everyone seems to enjoy it, but it would be a lot more fun if you could play it with your buddies, and if you could kill other players, and all that jazz. Everyone likes to kill people, so um, this one seems to be the melting pot of all of those requests. And, you know, evidently they have been working on it, I believe, for about five years, according to some websites. And I think they've sat on this, they've uh, nested long enough that they're not rushing into it. They're not just, it doesn't appear to just be about the money. They really do want to make a quality game. And uh, I've got faith that it's going to meet and probably surpass my expectations. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's a very interesting thing you talk about. They're not just doing it for the money. I mean, obviously, that's why you're creating this. I mean, it would be neat to play, but they wouldn't pit five years and 
however many people were actually on the crew making this. But at the same time, you look at a, a franchise. I mean, this is a franchise. The Elder Scrolls franchise has been around since the early 90s. You look at another franchise in a slightly different medium, Star Wars. I mean, huge, huge following, billions of dollars worldwide. And you come out with the prequel movies, the, uh, uh, the ones that came out in the 2000s. Now, those movies made money, and they expanded things, and there's games made off of them, and the franchise wasn't, like, destroyed. They didn't stop making it. But for a lot of people, it really messed up the Star Wars brand. I mean, it kind of took a decent hit. And I think that's something companies that build these sorts of worlds and universes are need to be aware of, and I think most of them are, that if you put out a crappy product, you are going to do damage to your overall franchise that the next time you put out Skyrim 2 or whatever the next like single-player game is, there's going to be some lingering doubt from the last time you put it out, even if it's obviously Zenimax is actually doing the game, Bethesda is mostly uh, publisher ads for lore, story, resource type, some of that without actually any work. The name's still on it. It still sells Elder Scrolls. And, I mean, brand recognition and uh, franchise recognition is a very important thing for these companies. So I think you're very right on that whole thing of five years, all these people. It's just now into beta. So that's seven, eight, nine months, ten months of beta, other testing, internal testing, polish, and then probably about November, December, an actual release date. And then from then on, patches and further improvements. Yeah, and uh, now have you played? You're familiar with the older Elder yeah. Souls games, are you? I I started playing in Oblivion, which mm-hmm. what came out it was the first game Elder Scrolls for the Xbox 360. 360 came out in November of '05, and Oblivion came out in '06, and I started that. I didn't even really know about Elder Scrolls World before that at all, but mostly because growing up, I almost always had a PC. I mean, we had a Performa. Back in 1994, I mean, before the iMac, I mean... That's old. My family is Mac to the core, but I I think they actually had it on Mac. I could be uh, incorrect on that, but I, growing up, I just never was that into PC gaming. I had, like, a Nintendo and Super Nintendo and stuff like that, but I was never into it. So when I got the Xbox 360, I see this game, and it's like, oh, wow, it's really cool, and then I play it and really love it and then that's when i kind of retroactively go back and do some research and figure out all the other games arena and daggerfall and these other things that made them you know so popular that led up to oblivion and then of course skyrim comes out and it introduces elder scrolls to even further of a mainstream audience yeah for sure yeah um and uh, i remember when skyrim came out uh I only had a Mac at the time, so I had to catch up late to the game. Uh, about six months, nine months later, once I bought a PC. When we look at this game, uh, we compared it somewhat to Skyrim, uh, which is within the Elder Scrolls series. And this game does intend to follow the same lore, uh, although it'll be set a millennium beforehand. Uh how does it compare to other MMORPGs that you've played? Well, my main one has been WoW. Uh, I never actually got around to Star Wars. Part of that is because of the Mac option and neglection of a lot of game companies towards Mac users. But I played WoW, and WoW has been and still holds. And, and 
there's a good chance that it will all it will hold for a really long time the most active subscribers at any one point when it hit 12 13 million i think even if elder scrolls is to sort of like start the actual decline of wow where they end up you know just eventual decline to where then they stop actually supporting the game i i find it i would find it hard for one game to achieve that many people because even though i'm really excited about elder scrolls and i played wow Star Wars MMO is still out. You have Guild Wars 2. You have Rift. You have a whole other company of games, including Xbox games and all these other things. So it's just, it's that much harder to, like, maintain a singular focus in games. I know when I compare it to other games, well, I've never really considered myself picky uh, as a gamer. I'm not uh, an elitist. I'm as far as I know, <laughs> I don't think I'm very stuck up, uh, but I do tend to uh, at least internally critique everything I play because um, I tend to focus more on individual games and get really good or really bad at one particular game uh, as opposed to playing every single new game that comes out um, and just playing them for a little bit. So when I play games such as the World of Warcraft, uh, Diablo, the all the Diablo series, but Diablo 3 being the most recent, um, along with other RPGs such as uh, Torchlight 2. Uh, there's a new beta out for uh, the Path of Exile. Um, there's always... My complaint across all of the board is that they all seem to miss uh, one point, and they'll all miss a different point when it comes to making an awesome game. Um, and being a Diablo fan at heart, I love the game, but it lacks that uh, sort of original character development. Uh, you get your character, and they sort of took the extra step in Diablo 3 to make your heroes not generic by giving them background. So in terms of the lore, the characters are very, very rich. But in terms of you customizing and stylizing your character. You can't stylize the appearance. You can pick gender, but you can't stylize appearance. Uh, you can't... You don't even specialize in terms of talents. Uh, they give you basically everything, and you can swap whenever you want at no cost, so there's no incentive to stick to a particular spec. Um, and then some of the other games that I've played that are similar to Diablo, such as uh, Path of Exile beta that I'm in, uh, they fix that area. You can, it's very, very special. Uh, you specialize a lot, I should say. But then they'll be lacking in another area, such as unique character skills and uh, fighting powers. Um, I would say that, for me, World of Warcraft has come the closest to putting all of those together successfully. Um, and it's an old game. I mean, it's 2005, like the Four, very first one. 2004. Four, 2004. And uh, so that's we're going on nine, almost ten years yeah. now. And I don't think any other game has really captured all of those successful gaming elements as well. But I think that this one might. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, this could be a whole another subject for an entire another podcast of just the concept of an MMO within the general gaming world. Um, but yeah, I mean, part of one of the things and features of like Elder Scroll and how that 
is being translated into MMO is the concept of customizability and freedom for that example. Um, it's one of the things they pride themselves on is the freedom to choose whatever you want to do. You don't, if you, if you want to follow the main storyline, that's fine. But if you don't want to like listen to one line of dialogue or do one quest or pick up one single boar meat for anything that has to do with the main storyline, you don't have to. And I mean, I think that's one of the things that they're touting as far as the online game goes. That's something else you can do. I mean, and it just so happens that you have different options. Like, if you want to only PvP, only go, like, get in a catapult and throw rocks and stuff against the other fort and help your faction take on the other factions, that's what you got to do. If you don't want to touch any of the raid finder, any of the just questing, I mean, I guess you'll, there'll be a certain level of questing you might have to do to get to certain level caps or whatever, but it's definitely up to you. If you want to do it in a group, you can. If you want to do it solo, you can. And they're trying to make it to where you can do all these things. You're not forced to go along certain paths. And that's, I mean sort of tying into our first segment of just what we're excited in to what we're going to be talking about now, the features themselves is all these little things that build up to make you excited. But these features are like, some of them are innovative. Some of them are just like fixed other games, innovations that they made like, wow, maybe a long time ago. Like I think a lot of the way they're doing this is fixing some of the problems that wow has. Um, and fixing a lot of other games. And not that it's going to be perfect, but it certainly gets a lot closer, which is the idea for in the future. Future games get better. <laughs> for sure, yeah. And I think gamers are getting uh, smarter when it comes to picking their games. Um, you know, this is the information age. Uh, and it's not uh, nineteen. 95 we have nintendo and game boy yeah. <laughs> it's like you know i'm gonna buy that game because it's the only brand new game out on the market yeah. no we have options in yeah. fact you have a lot of free games that you can play that are sometimes better than the games you pay for <laughs> yeah. and so if you're gonna spend money it better be really freaking good for sure um so like if this game is going to be good let's look at why uh and using world of warcraft as our uh primary competition uh, in terms of the lore and the story and everything, it's got two factions, two opposing factions, the Alliance and the Horde and this one has three why do you think that is? Well, I mean, it helps the concept of good and evil, I mean, obviously if you look at it from an objective perspective, from World of Warcraft, the Alliance is made up of the humans and the Horde is made up of the monsters or whatever, now I mean, to to stay sort of politically correct, obviously, if you're on the Horde side, you're going to look at the Lions and say, oh, well, they attacked certain towns and committed atrocities on their own or whatever. But it's – it's uh, most of the people that go to Horde want to be that sort of, you know, like big, bad, you know, guy or whatever. It, they sort of, like, can justify some things or whatever. And they look at the Lions as being sort of sissies, sort of being 12-year-old kids or whatever. And I think having that third faction – helps alleviate that sometimes. It sort of stops one faction from being clearly good and evil, or good and then another faction being evil. This way, I mean, you could say maybe one guild is slightly harder, but between the other two guilds, they're probably looking at, you know, a different guild and think they're worse than the other one. And I think it helps spread things out much, much better. And the races themselves that are in the factions are fairly well spread out, whereas Horde is mostly the beast races. In Elder Scrolls, you have the Daggerfall Covenant, for example, has 
uh, orcs, which are your basic fantasy orc, and then two races of men. And you have another one that has a race of men and a race of lizard people and an elf. And then another one has two elves and a cat person. I mean, they're spread out, so you can't say, oh, this is the beast race, so that sort of means they're bad, or this is the race of humans, that means they're good, or whatever. Um, I think that helps assuage some of that um, faction... No, not superiority, but it it helps Asajj from one side being good, one side being bad. Yeah, for sure. I think so. I agree. Um, And especially, you know, you mentioned the notion of all the, uh, you know, this is speculation, not fact, but that the majority of uh, essentially human characters in the world of Warcraft are young, immature kids, and then all the smart players, all the good ones, the elites, are all horde because those were the underdog. They're the ones that are they're ugly, but they're noble at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of the actual races, I think by mixing and matching the way they did, they did nothing other than look at the World of Warcraft and say, hey, that's a problem because everyone's lopsided over to this particular faction. And I think it's going to be much, much more difficult for this game to be lopsided in terms of number of people per faction. Hopefully. Uh, I think so. Yeah, I mean, we'll find out. Yeah. Um, you know, good players will tend to pull together, I think. Yeah. But, um, you know, I've never, in most um, fantasy lore, not even just in these two games, but I've never seen orcs sided with humans. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, no, that is interesting. I mean, part of that is just based on the general. They've all been races in the war. In the world, in the world, so they're going to have had interactions with each other, like good and bad, attacking and back and forth like that. Um, and I mean, and from a lord perspectives, I find it really interesting. But then you also look at the fact that, I mean, and I and maybe we're being a little bit unfair to the rest of the MMO like world as far as like, but most of our knowledge comes from WoW, and you can't get away from the fact that it has such a huge market share. I mean, it's going to be something you compete with. But they have set up to where you have multiple, multiple different servers. And one of the biggest things that got a lot of people excited and hope they can pull it off is Elder Scrolls claims they have a new technology that allows them to have one server. Everyone in the world is on one server, a single giant server. So as soon as you log in, everyone's in the same thing. Wait, so uh, one server? One server. And everyone's on one server. All on that one server. (laughs) But it it works on a phasing technique where basically you put in, I only want to be able to play or see people that like PvP or like the roleplay or like PvE. And you'll basically only be able to see those people. And so it phases you out. So obviously if millions of people are on the same server, that'd be a pretty big lag. But by doing this, it allows them to separate. But... I think it's a very important thing, the single server. Definitely. In fact, um, I'm really looking forward to the large-scale combat that this game offers. Um, you know, uh, you know. Once again, World of Warcraft being our point of comparison. Um, I think you know, in the actual world raids, when one faction raids another city. It's um, it tends to be unorganized because it's not an actual event. It tends to be more of a um, hey guys, let's do you want to agree to go do this and let's go do it. We'll surprise the other people and we'll 
killed him. Um, this one is more like what would be, I think, an organized battleground. So it'll be under like game regulation. It'll be following. Uh, well, it'll, in other words, it's just organized. Um, and so you have these three factions attacking uh, cities. and But you have 100 people, whereas World of Warcraft would offer about, what, 40 versus 40, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and this supposedly takes that number and it skyrockets it, yeah. uh, which it would have to if you've got three different factions attacking each other. Yeah, exactly. Um, and as far as that PvP goes, it's basically... A open world PvP instead of queuing it for battlegrounds, you have the world of Tamriel, which is the whole entire continent that the Elder Scrolls worlds exist in. In the center, you have Cyrodiil, which is the seat of the Empire and the seat of the White uh, Gold Tower, uh, the capital of the whole Empire. And the story goes that that's fallen apart and the factions try to take over that. And so the whole com or so concept of their PvP is about attacking forts held by other factions and maintaining and, and gaining control of Cyrodiil. And in fact, once your faction gains control of Cyrodiil, your highest ranking player of your faction that participated becomes Emperor and gains buffs and certain extra things like that and obviously achievements. I mean, achievements are very popular, but you'll get something like that. Um, so, you, you, I mean, I think that's a very distinct way of doing PvP, and I think it will help Elder Scrolls distinguish itself uh, from WoW, which is fantasy to fantasy. You know, it's it's going to take a lot of that places, and I think a lot of people that are dissatisfied with the current uh, ability of WoW's PvP might find that refreshing. Well, um, do you have anything else to add? That's our intro to Elder Scrolls Online as it stands um, right now. As our podcast wraps up here, I mean, I think it's worth knowing that as excited as we both are, even if we weren't doing a podcast, even if we weren't trying to get information out into the the general internet, we're going to be paying attention to updates and rumors and leaks and everything you could possibly think of that would be coming from the game. And hopefully providing some sort of in-depth if not analysis, at least just our stupid opinions, you know, shouting it out. But um, the excitement for the game goes to a point where you have people, like, people have been playing WoW for so long. Obviously, they have a successful business model. But you can only do something for so long. Irregardless of game, like just in general, you can only do something for so long before you start getting tired of it. It's just a natural human response. And I think, I hope that my thought process towards Elder Scrolls being similar, because I like that sort of genre and that sort of gameplay, but also it happens to be a new world. You can join in at the beginning without coming in midway and feel like you missed stuff. I think that's really refreshing and enlightening for a lot of people. Like of all MMO player. Uh, play styles that even if they weren't playing WoW, they're playing other things like, oh, I can join this big thing that has a lot of momentum, a lot of like, you know, it's it's really getting rolling and they can be a part of the beginning. And I think I personally love that concept. For sure. I mean, like, I, I, I think it's an appetizing catering to all levels of players because uh, 
the elitists, the uh, the people who are top of the line, take their play, their gameplay very seriously. You know, they go for the achievements and the world firsts and all this kind of stuff. You know, and they spend a significant amount of time uh, polishing their gameplay. They will be able to go into this new world and actually put those skills to the test because I think there's a difference between a gamer who is very proficient at what they do but who's only good at it because he's been playing it for seven years straight. I, I think it's interesting to take those skills and try to apply them in a brand new, Equal unfamiliar situation and see how quickly they can become that good again. So, yeah. like, you know, for me, that's a challenge. Um, to my casual level of playing, I like to see how quickly I can adapt to the game and get decent at it. And then also the beginners don't have to come into this game that's a decade old and be... You know, criticized exactly. for not knowing <laughs> what was released in 2004. Well, like, you know, it's yeah. not even their fault. So, I I, I, I totally agree uh, with you. I mean, that's 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 an actual problem with WoW. Someone comes in and then when they don't want to do something, they're chastised for not knowing it, even though they just started. It's very clearly the other person had you know was a new player too, but that was seven eight years ago. I mean, how could they possibly have right. you know, remember that? So, I, I'm very excited and. We, as a group, as a duo, will be following this, as well as other games, other information, other excitement that we will get excited for, to excitedly tell you. Exciting <laughs> things and stuff that we can pontificate on. And uh, uh, to our listeners, don't forget you can opt in for the beta on, at com. And so, with that, uh, we leave you with a question. Do you plan to play the game? And if so, which, which faction and race will you begin with? Uh, uh, what about you, Jeremy? I don't know. I just, I'm going to go, I'm going to change my mind about a million times, but currently I think Red Guard on Daggerfall. Well, you better hurry. You have like a year, a year to decide, yeah. so you better get on that. Come on, man. All right, well, thanks for joining us, guys, and catch us next time. <laughs>